Blog Talk Radio. Glam more, fear less. Diva Talk Radio. You can be amazing. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic, and I'd like to empower you to manage your diabetes with confidence, knowledge, and inspiration. I've got a brand new show and a brand new Diva inspiration for the new year. Tonight, we're encouraging you to face your fears related to managing your diabetes with music from Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter Sarah Bareilles. My guests include the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, Sony Music executive Jeff James, poet Lorraine Brooks, Mama Rosemarie and Mike Lawson from the Diabetes Hand Foundation in San Francisco. Now, I chose to salute Sarah Bareilles tonight on the eve of the Grammy Awards because we want to encourage you to be brave about managing your diabetes. What does it actually mean to be brave? Is it a person living with type 2 diabetes who finally decides to go on insulin? Or is it a patient who challenges the advice of their doctor? Or can it be someone who's older who decides to join a group fitness class filled with skinny young guys and girls in their 20s? Have you noticed that when people say, you're so brave, what they don't seem to notice is that you're shaking in your boots? They see you checking your blood sugar in a restaurant, talking about your diabetes openly openly in front of coworkers, or doing something else, else that they may perceive as outside of their comfort zone. But what they can't see is a stomach full of butterflies. That's the thing about bravery. It feels like fear, but it looks a lot like courage. When I think of what it means to be brave, I think about being afraid but doing it anyway. I think about trusting yourself and believing in spite of all the obstacles, real or imagined, that you will follow through. I feel when we share our stories of bravery, they fill others with hope, and that hope can ignite bravery in someone else. Sarah Bareilles says that being brave isn't about the outcome. It's about the intention of of turning to face what scares you the most. And since Sarah Bareilles' song, Brave, which we played at the top of this podcast, was inspired by a gay friend of Sarah's who wanted to encourage 
him to come out about his sexuality and live openly, I, th- I think it's important to highlight a recent act of bravery that I've seen. And it's from my own president of the United States, and yours too, I'm sure, if you're listening from uh, coast to coast, so to speak. It's President Obama. He recently named the most visible gay figure in all of sport, Billie Jean King, to the delegation that will attend the Sochi Olympics. Billie Jean King's presence calls attention to the fact that the Russian legislation still subjects its gay citizens to humiliation and abuse. I know there are a lot of people in my own country and people listening to uh, this podcast who may disagree with me about homosexuality, about gay marriage, and about what constitutes a family. However, they're not allowed to entrap and physically assault gay people. Reports from Russia still indicate that this is happening, and unfortunately, in many cases, it's on the uprise and upswing. Billie Jean King said that she was honored to represent the USA in Sochi and hopes these Olympics will be a watershed moment for the universal acceptance of all people. Billie Jean King is also living with type 2 diabetes, so it's an honor and a privilege to bring attention to what she's doing to help others at the risk of her own personal safety. And I want to add, as Mr. Divabedic, I do outreach that dazzles, and I'm proud to say I'm a gay man, and my act of bravery is always going in in front of a crowd and bringing diabetes to maybe people who don't expect it to be coming from me. I came out over 20 years ago, and I know to this day there are several times throughout the year or a couple of years that you're forced to come out or admit to someone uh, something personal that they may feel relates or doesn't relate to the subject at hand. I never wanted my sexuality in any way, shape, or form to stop someone from getting the care they need or a family member regarding their diabetes. I do respect the fact that people may disagree with me, but at this time in my life, I'm proud to say that I'm gay, and I'm proud to say that I created Divabetic, and I'm proud to say that I stand for everyone who believes in talking openly about the things that scares them the most. At one point in my life, it was my sexuality. For someone listening tonight, it might be their diabetes. And if that's the case, I, hear, I hope you hear my voice in my story and know that through the process of acceptance and coming out, I'm able to be the best man I can be. And I thank you so much for tuning into the show. Now, before we get things started, I'd like to encourage you to show your support for our dazzling brand of outreach by donating today at divabetic.org. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. Sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh a little and learn a lot with Diabetes Late Night and Sarah Inspired by Sarah Borales. Tonight's featured artist said she really worried about stepping into the unknown and didn't know what to expect the second time around writing her new album. Sarah said the next song we play was a starting point for her second album, Kaleidoscope Heart, and it helped put put an end to the writer's block. Take a listen now. I'm loving Sarah Bareilles. If you haven't picked up her album yet, she's got three of them. And uh, Kaleidoscope Park is one of my favorites, but the one that's not nominated for the Grammy is Blessed Unrest. So make sure you go check out the Sony, sonymusic.com. They're letting us play all Sarah's hits tonight. 
we thank them for that. And check out what Sony's got available online so you can enjoy more music. Now, let's welcome my first guest. She is in the same category for Sarah Bareilles. I think her words have so much power and inspiration, and it's just always a pleasure to partner with her in outreach. Please welcome poet, TV host, and jewelry designer, Lorraine Brooks. Thank you, Max. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Lorraine. <laughs> it's awesome. I love a what good you're doing start. I'm very show. excited. You know, we've got a whole new show. We switched the format, and, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot more fun this year. We've got a lot of prizes, more special guests. I might even do some remote interviews uh, with people from all around the country, like Mark Lawson. I might do, next time I talk to Mike, I might actually interview him in San Francisco. So that would be very cool. I love what you're do with, doing with the new show. I love the new format. And uh, I love the, the music that you play at the top of the show. I think it's a wonderful change. And I'm looking forward to 2014. I see big things for Diva Bedek in 2014. I must apologize. I have a little bit of laryngitis. I hope that you can hear me okay. I kind of like it. I think it's very sexy, actually. <laughs> it's um, my Marlena Dietrich moment. This. I want to talk to you about this topic because, you know, when we had Sarah Bareilles, this song, Brave, is really picking up momentum going into the Grammys, and so many different patient populations are taking it on. I know there's a lot of children battling cancer as well as the um, healthcare professionals who have been making vi uh, videos which have gone viral of the support around the, can uh, the community of cancer, and I thought uh, that this song could really inspire us tonight to talk more about some of the fears associated with diabetes. I know you've mentioned on the show before that you have diabetes. I'm wondering what were some of the fears you had maybe initially when you were diagnosed? Well, I didn't have so much fear about diabetes itself because my, my paternal grandmother had diabetes, and I remember as a child watching my father uh, boil what in those days were glass syringes and uh, needles that were reusable, and they had to be sterilized by boiling them. And so I remember as a child watching my father um, take care of my grandmother. And so I never really had a fear of diabetes itself because I saw that you could live with it. And I never really had a fear of needles, uh, maybe because I grew up around them. But um, what, what I, I don't know if, if I would call it a fear so much, but you're speaking about being brave. And one of the things that you and I talked about last year, which kind of made me um, take a step in the direction of bravery, was the poem that I wrote about Esther Williams. I know we've talked about it before, but for me, it takes a lot of bravery to talk about how I feel about my weight. And I wasn't able to say that for a very long time. <clears throat> so now... Uh, I'm able to talk about that and how it relates to diabetes or if it relates to diabetes and, you know, the challenges that, that, that you face when you have to take insulin and you have to uh, be careful of what you eat, but you're also trying to watch your weight. So I don't know if I'd call it a fear, but it's it's definitely a challenge. And well, it know, requires I, I, some it's bravery. It's interesting that you brought that up because I do want to announce tonight that on February 9th, for the first time in New York F Fashion Week history, I'd say about 25 full-figured women are going to show their bravery and model in uh, the Full Blossom fashion show, which is a, uh, we're going to be part of at Divabetic. So I know that size is an issue, and I loved your poem that you wrote in July about Esther Williams, and I think a lot of people listening um, would echo that idea of just being 
having the confidence to really kind of talk about that. I know Sarah Borales in some of the interviews mentioned that she grew up a rather chubby child, and she had to change schools a lot at one point because kids were being so mean to her. Well, I think and she just something. didn't want anyone to notice anything about her. And when I think about her own story and how far she's come to this day, it's kind of amazing, right? I mean, it is an act of bravery that she somehow got past all of that and found acceptance in herself, of course, first in order to make a change. Well, you know, I don't think of myself as being particularly brave. I mean, you know, I, I love what you said about how bravery looks a lot like, what was it, looks a lot like courage, but it feels yeah. a lot like fear. I, I love that, that that saying because that's exactly the point. People look at you and they think, well, oh my God, you know, you're, you're being so brave or you're being so courageous. And inside you're, you're thinking to yourself, what are they talking about? This is horrible or, you know, this is something that I never wanted to have to do. But um, I think once you take a step out there and you say something out loud, it kind of takes away some of the sting. And um, so that's what I've noticed, and I'm, I'm trying to do that. I'm just trying to be more uh, honest and open about how I really feel about things, and, and no matter, you know, of course, you know, to 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 a degree. But uh, but I think it's better to be honest about how you feel and how things are affecting you than not. And I do think that it takes a certain amount of courage to do that because everyone is not going to understand what you have to say or how you feel about something. And you have to have the courage and the strength to stick by what you have to say. So I thank you for that, too, uh, Max, because you and I have you know, gone down a bit of a road, too, over the last year. And I think that you're, you're encouraging people to be who they are, be themselves, be happy with who, them, who they are. And um, uh, I love the topic of, of bravery and courage. I think it's wonderful and inspired and a great way to start a new year. And you wrote a poem about it for us that I'd I love did. you to share. I did. The name of my poem is Brave Heart. To be brave in the midst of the storm, in the eye of the hurricane, when winds and tides collide, crashing in free form. To look danger and fate in the eyes, facing pain and uncertainty in larger and larger swells and begging compromise. The feelings of loneliness and sorrow that no one understands your pain, the needle in the arm, and your fear of tomorrow. Pills and potions and diet, watching and counting and always aware, making allowances for reality, but never to deny it. This is the bravery divas express, accepting life's unknowns, while smiling and keeping the faith, accepting nothing less. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. I got caught up uh, in your poem, <laughs> as I always do. I, I, you know, we really talked about this ahead of time, about really kind of communicating some of the, the fears that people might have with their diabetes and also showing them a, way, a pathway out. And, again, I, I always salute what you write because I think it's beautiful, and we'll be posting that on our Divabetic blog. Thank you so much, Max. Well, thanks for being a part of the show, Lorraine, and thanks for joining us again this year. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Well, now, Lorraine, if you're not that familiar with Sarah Bareilles, guess what? She was signed to Epic Records in 2005. She spent two years writing and working on songs that would make up her first album called Little Voice. But it was a widely seen commercial for Rhapsody that helped Sarah's piano ballad, Love Song, become a radio staple and sell over a million copies and downloads. Maybe that's going to happen to you with Diva Medic. All right, here, let's take a listen to more Sarah Bareilles. Thanks. 
I think that song would make anyone a fan. And I want to thank Sony Music again for letting us play all of Sarah Bareilles' hits tonight on our Divey's Late Night podcast. Please join me in welcoming my next guest from Sony Music. It's Jeff James. Hi, Jeff. Hey there, Max. Okay, this artist is really blowing up, and there's so much to talk about because she was on the People's Choice Award. She was on Ellen. I follow her on Facebook. So much happening with the song Brave and the new album, but I want to rewind with you for a minute because we just heard the first song from Love Song and talk a little bit about uh, Sarah's early career. Now, I've read a lot of blogs, Jeff, and uh, apparently Love Song actually plays reference to a true life story that she struggled to deliver songs that Sony wanted, and so um, this is how that song was kind of inspired. She had a she had a spark from her own frustrations, and uh, she said she was um, tired of turning the material that people didn't like, and so this is what she came up with. Is that true? That's yeah. That's definitely a story that I that I've heard, and um, yeah, I, I would say that that is true, and and it just shows that even back then, even for the first album, she was she was brave. I mean. She, the, the label wanted her to, you know, like any other artist, any new artist, a label would like the artist to submit material that the label deems uh, sellable or, or basically an idea of what they would want to propose for the artist. And so they wanted a love song. And, uh, and, and as you can hear, what Sarah turned in was uh, not exactly a love song, you would think, but but still uh, a love song in a, in a way. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, you know, that brings up a good point because a lot of people don't really aren't familiar with what it's like to be signed. So uh, I'm curious, like, just to help out people who are listening who have musical aspirations, don't we all? Um, when you get signed, like someone like Sarah Bareilles, how much time did she have actually to create her first album? You know, like, what is that? Can you just kind of give us a quick... Uh, a little bit on what it's like to be signed and, and what, what's the expectation from the label? I would love to. See, what's great about when artists, when you get signed and you're a new artist, my experience is that you've been performing and you've been doing shows for a long period of time before you actually get signed. So if you have amassed this catalog of your own. So you kind of know what songs represent the best or what it's done. So when you come to the label as a new artist, you normally have uh, a nice catalog to choose from. I think what, what happens is that the second album is where the time crunch is because you basically use all your best stuff on that first album. And, and when it comes time for the second one, the label wants y- your time is kind of uh, shortened. But, uh, you know, I mean, as, as a new artist, the label wants to present you with the best material possible so 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 uh you know radio airplay or just to get that first that first buzz and that song love song really did get that buzz and put her on the map and then she came back with kaleidoscope heart which i think had king of anything on it correct yeah it did yep and that was a huge breakout hit for her yeah, yeah. You know, Sarah, she has a, such a great fan base that, that really looks forward to hearing anything she has to say. And it's, it's, she's, in my opinion, the, the, the quintessential album artist. It's just like you, you, you pick up a Sarah Bareilles album and she takes you on a journey. And it's like a, a snapshot of what's happening to her life at that particular time. And, and Kaleidoscope Heart is a, is a great great CD. It was the album before um, The Blessed Unrest. 
so so yeah, I mean, there's it's, there's definitely some great stuff in in the songs that that Sarah writes. All right, but did any was anyone prepared at Sony, including Sarah, for the Blessed Unrest to be become a finalist for Album of the Year at the Grammys? Like, what was the expectation around that? Because I know she beat out people like Kanye West, Justin Timberlake, and Bruno Mars to even be nominated for this. Uh, I'm just curious what was going around the office. I, I it was a surprise. It was it was a great surprise, but but really, I mean, it just goes back to Sarah's talent. I mean. Out of all the out of all the um, other nominees in the category, she is an album artist. I mean, every song from top to bottom, first to last, there's, it's it's a complete piece of of work. It's you know it's just it's like those great great acts from the, from the 80s or 70s that when you when you go and you buy an album, like all the songs are are good. Okay, well, you know, there's a little controversy about mm-hmm. some of her songs. Yep. <laughs> because she's up for Best Pop Solo for the song Brave, and she's up against Katy Perry, who wrote Roar. And what's interesting is that a lot of music fans have been taken to Twitter and everywhere else to say that Katy stole the song's melody for Brave uh, from Sarah for the, for and Brave to record Roar. Now, both of these women know each other, which is kind of interesting itself, and I heard that Sarah Bareilles doesn't feel like there's anything, there was nothing taken away from her art- artistically by Katy, but I'm wondering, how did that even happen, and what's your take on it? Did Katy Perry really kind of dig into um, Sarah Bareilles' catalog? I know. I really, you heard I, the mashup, though, Jeff James. I, you know, I, I really believe it was a coincidence. Uh, it, you know, because you think about it, I, I mean, they're they're both songs about you know empowerment and. Oh my God! I hope you represent Lady Gaga when she goes against Madonna. <laughs> Coincidence. That's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I just really don't don't know how that how to explain it any other way, but it, it just being a coincidence. Well, I mean, they're both beautiful songs, and I think the interesting thing is that Melody both ca- uh, inspired both women to write inspirational songs because right. they do have very similar messages. I finally just want to end with you and talk a little bit about how this song Brave has gone so viral. I mean, when you look at the other competition, I don't think anything I've seen, if you go to Facebook or YouTube listeners, you could see a million people dancing to Brave and doing it. What happened? How did that happen? I think it was a bunch of a lot of different things. Uh, first of all, I think the video was just funny, and and even has Sarah um, herself dancing, which she's never danced in any other videos that I remember. I mean, that was kind of brave on her part to do that, to let herself to, to let herself do that in in, in a video. And the second, I I believe was the the message behind it, and also social media and commercials. She she embraced that. I mean. Getting your music out there as much as you can in different places, and it just captures different segments, and then it just all kind of c- came together. I love it. Well, you're gonna, we're all gonna come together because you're gonna give some albums away. Uh, yep. s- some of Sarah's uh, nominated albums are up for grabs. You have to go to our Divabetic Facebook page and put in any title from a Sarah Barella song to qualify for a prize. I'll be picking random winners, and we'll be sending you copies of the blessed unrest correct jeff that's right and thanks again we love having you on the show it's it's, this has been just so much fun to play her music all night long so thanks for being a part of the show all right 
All right, everybody, coming up straight ahead, it's time to meet three of the smartest and sexiest educators from around the globe. I like to call them the Charlie's Angels of Outreach. Ole, 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 ole. All right, everybody, let's meet them. These are my favorite educators. Right now, I've got Dr. Beverly S. Adler from New York. Hi, Dr. Bev. Hey, Max. Happy New Year, and good luck to you on your new late-night revamped uh, podcast. Thank you, and thank you for dancing around the green room. You really made it festive earlier for everybody. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for it having me. Crazy. It's crazy backstage tonight, everybody. And you know why? Because we've got my southern peaches here. Patricia Addy Gentle. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Max. So happy to be with you again for another year. Okay, and I just wanted to tell you that that china belongs in the studio, so if you don't mind taking it out of your purse before you leave, that would be great. <laughs> Thank you so much for you – know, you redo the studio, and this is what happens. And finally, the queen of the line dance is here, ladies and gentlemen, from the Philadelphia <laughs> – Diva Better Club. Hi, Pam. Welcome to the show. Hi, Max. How are you? Happy New Year. Looking You're forward back. To seeing you next month. I'm back. Everyone's got a little hoarseness going on in their throats tonight. But, Pam, I have to start with you before I talk about Dr. Bev's fabulous books. Um, I got big news yesterday. Okay. <laughs> because the leader of the Diva Better Club, Neva White, called me. And what did she tell uh-huh. me? Can you tell our listeners? What did she tell you? She said we got renewed for the Diva Better Club in Philadelphia this year. Have We're coming that back. We, that, we, that we have, yes, that we have money to come back. Oh, it's wonderful, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. This is like an incredible uh, experience. We were I mean, trying. We were, yes. yes. I had, to take, I had to take a minute to shout out because I've had so much fun working with you guys. We had an amazing outreach event in November. Yes. As you know, I list all the Diva Better Club events on in Philadelphia, on our website at divabeck.org. It's free monthly programming. We spotlight different educators from Thomas Jefferson University Hospital. We serve a healthy lunch. We have a, a fun presentation, compliments of Mr. Yes. Divabetic, and we have a good time, but it's really about education, and it's great to go yes. come back for one more year. I'm just so thrilled by that. Yes, and it's growing every year. It is growing, and we're spotlighting more men and women uh, who are successful men and women of diabetes, which I just want to take a minute and talk to, uh, to Dr. Bev, because your bookshelf is getting kind of crowded, Dr. Bev. <laughs> My bookshelf. You've got, two, you've got two books out, plus you're blogging now. Who are you blogging for? I, I've, been, uh, I've been actually writing some blogs for Diabetes Daily Post, and it hasn't come out yet, but online – I have. Uh, I'm going to be part of the uh, Walgreens Diabetes and You for their DiabetesDigest.com. Uh, okay. uh, some articles will be uh, will be posting there. They're they're also in a, a transition and changing their um, their uh, you know style as well. Okay, and you've got two books. Tell us the titles of the two books. My two books are My Sweet Life. Successful Women with Diabetes, and My Sweet Life, Successful Men with Diabetes. And uh, I have a lot of stories in there, uh, both books, of About being bravery. brave and uh, coming to accept the diagnosis of diabetes and coming to accept um, 
taking insulin shots and um and those are I have lots of stories of uh you know people who are um scared and uh which is a perfectly common reaction and ultimately learning how to overcome their fear by facing the fear and um and I myself, when I first started to take uh, insulin, I was terrified to take that first shot. And um, it took a lot of uh, courage and bravery. But ultimately, there was no choice, okay, because I either take a shot and am able to live or I don't and I'm going to go to the hospital. It's, I mean, we're one of the things that I always say is that um, – we are very fortunate to be living post-1921 when insulin was discovered. And so um, before that, there were no shots to take and uh, it was starvation diet. So, um, But when you're faced with taking your first uh, shot, you can't you can't have that appreciation of you know thank God we do have insulin because there's just so much fear. But once you face that fear, you take your first shot. It becomes routine after that, and and that's but true wait, of any. I, I just want to ask you a question because we're jumping sure. into the hot topic, which is uh, facing your fears with diabetes and. Specifically, I know from just doing so much outreach in Philadelphia as well as across the country, so many people specifically with type 2 diabetes, Dr. Bev, have a needle phobia, you know, might have a phobia around needles. And they would rather, most of them would rather do a million other things than even go next to a needle. So if someone came to you and really kind of admitted to having, being very scared of the idea of needles, how do you, how do you as a clinical psychologist, how do you deal with that? Well, I, I I mean, I I would start out by asking them what is it about the needle, not the insulin, but the needle that worries them, okay, and that and that makes them fearful. And there's many answers to that. You know, uh, we we all took these you know very painful inoculations as children, and they were shots with big needles, and they went into our muscles, and they hurt. And so people. Uh, associate that type of shot with their insulin and they assume it's going to be, uh, you know, a long needle into the arm and it's going to hurt. And uh, so I, what, in order to help somebody overcome their fear, I have to understand first what it is that they're so fearful about. So they may be um, fearful over something that's not even Valid, something that's not even true. Right, okay? when, they, when they finally admit it and say it out loud, it kind of dissolves a little bit, so to speak. And well, no, actually, I will, show, I will show my patients how teeny tiny these, uh, these needles are these days. They're very, very tiny, you know, these tips for, like, the, the insulin pens. And um, they're really sharp, and they, they are very short, and... It really doesn't hurt, and it doesn't go into a muscle. It's all subcutaneous. It's right below the skin. I, I try to really allay their fears. But, okay. Um, 
I think that's There's... great. I want to wait. I want to move on a little bit and come back to you because this Surely. is a big topic Surely. around uh, needles. But Patricia Addy Gentle, I mean, I'll, you know, we're Diva Bedic, You've worked with me for years. We're so outspoken. We promote being outspoken. Top of the show, I was talking about coming out about your diabetes. Many people are fearful about talking about their diabetes in the workplace because they feel they might be treated unfairly or even discriminated against because they have diabetes. What kind of advice can you give on that? Well, Max, in my opinion, and um, I think the world of diabetes educators, we feel that um, people with diabetes should be open about their condition. Of course, you need someone, like we say in Divabetic, you need an entourage. So there should be a person, at least one person on the in the workplace that you can connect with who knows of your diabetes and who is able to assist you in times of low blood sugar or any time that you may not be able to be an advocate for yourself. And also, uh, there are laws that govern unreasonable treatment in the workplace. So there, you know, in cases of discrimination, the ADA or American Diabetes Association has an advocacy group, and uh, those laws will allow people with diabetes certain rights, uh, such as taking breaks for uh, insulin injections or taking breaks for their blood sugar checks if they need to check blood glucose, uh, if they have neuropathy or if they have um, uh, nerve yeah, pain. Yeah, I'm going to, this is interesting, I'm going to, uh, this is great because I'm going to see, we're going to see a little bit later what Mike Lawson from the Diabetes Hands Foundation has to say about it too, but what's your go-to resource for this kind of stuff? Um, well, actually, the ADA, but I would advise anybody with diabetes to go to a support group, go to a self-management class uh, where you are amongst people who do have a common interest. And within that group, you will learn a lot and learn how to be fearless and facing diabetes without that fear. I love it. All right, Pam. From the Diva Better Club, you're up on the hot seat. A lot of people don't want to talk to, you know, they have a hard time confronting their doctors if they don't agree Mm -hmm. with the treatment. So what kind of advice from Thomas Jefferson, because you work with doctors all day long, what kind of advice can you give a patient? Well, I always tell people that it's good to have a good communication with their doctor. So if it's a doctor that you feel uncomfortable with, then you need to get another doctor that you feel more comfortable with that you don't have any problems with discussing your diabetes, you know, with that doctor. Or take somebody with you that won't have any issues asking the questions that you really want to ask. But it's important to keep that line of communication open because when you have diabetes, you need to have a support team, and that includes your doctors, your family, and also I think that was Dr. Beth that mentioned the support groups which is a very great um, support support team to have. All right. And, Dr. Bev, I want to come back to you because sometimes people spend more time blaming their doctors than taking care of themselves. Have you ever seen that happen? Well, um, I'm, I'm going to say that um, I am uh, an advocate for the patients rather than for – I shouldn't even say that for the, rather than the doctors. So – I don't see that uh, my patients blame their doctors, but what I would say is there have been some doctors that I know that are, um, they kind of, they try to instill um, compliance in their 
patients with diabetes by threatening them. If you don't lose weight, if you don't watch your diet, then I'm going to have to put you on insulin. And uh, so what happens is uh, over a, the, the course of time, naturally occurring, a, uh, a person's um, pancreas may finally just stop producing insulin. And, and then the doctor says, okay, now you have to go on insulin. And the patient is feeling very badly about themselves because they've tried and tried and tried. And now the doctor's words come back as punishment that they didn't do a good job. They feel really guilty. They have a very low self-esteem because of how the doctor presented it rather than saying it's a natural progression and it's in all likelihood a lot of people with uh, type 2 diabetes who managed with, you know, diet, exercise, and oral medication, ultimately they, a lot of them have to go on insulin. Not because they're bad, not because they're non-compliant, just because that's the progression. And, you know, I always try to have my patients understand that it's not something that they've done wrong. And um, I, have, I take issue with the doctors who are trying to scare people straight, so to speak. So to Amen speak. is what I want to say to you, Dr. Bev. I'll go to church with you anytime. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, you know, I mean, part of, I mean we're going to be talking about bravery all night long, but I'm getting excited to bring in our next guest. So uh, this discussion is going to keep going. And, of course, if you want to join us in the chat room, please do, or continue the discussion on DivaBetic's Facebook pages. But, you know, we're talking about bravery, Dr. Bev, and a lot of it is about being a risk taker, like I said at the top of the show. Sarah Varelis, our special diva inspiration, asked super bad funny man Jonah Hill to direct her music video for the song Gonna Get Over You. And in turn, Jonah t- uh, challenged Sarah to do something she's never done before, which is dance, which you were doing earlier in our green room. So uh, the critics all agreed that this video is hilarious and so much fun. We wanted to play a clip from the song that got Sarah shuffling her feet. song and I like 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 my next guest I met him at the taking control of your diabetes in outside of San Francisco or last year please welcome to the show for the very first time it's Mike Lawson from the Diabetes Hand Foundation hi Mike hey Matt thanks so for helping us go east coast west coast we love it yeah it's awesome all right, so Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then I want to hear you dive into being uh, brave with diabetes. Sure. Well, um, I am living with diabetes myself. Um, I was diagnosed uh, about 10 years ago, and uh, it's so incredible to hear everybody before me talk about all of the emotions that go along with it because I've kind of been through all of them, and um, it's super empowering to hear people uh, talk about things that I thought I was alone at, and it makes me, you know, be able to move forward from that once I, I hear that others are doing it. And that kind of leads to the work that I do with the Diabetes Hands Foundation. We're 
a nonprofit organization. We're based out of the Bay Area here in California, but our programs are kind of worldwide. They live on the Internet. And our mission here is really just to connect and engage and empower people that are living with diabetes or that have been touched by diabetes. So we have a series of programs just kind of um, getting people together and creating community online. Uh, one, of your guests, or one of your guests earlier talked about the power of a support group, and not everyone is really ready to go out and kind of connect with others face-to-face, but we have created space online so that they can uh, connect online and kind of it's, it's a baby step. It's, um, you know, connecting without tons of commitment. You can kind of work for a while, that sort of thing, too. Um, All right. So, so what is like? What are some of the fears you've heard through the Diabetes Hands Foundation? Like, what what are some? Because I know you deal with a lot of type ones, but also type twos. And like you just said to everyone, your community is pretty much worldwide or global. What what mm-hmm. seem, what's resonated with you? Well, there's tons of just isolation. It's weird that uh, to think that a, uh, a condition, diabetes. I mean, there's 370 million of us worldwide, but it's still very isolating. Um, and it, it, when you come across a problem like your car breaks down or you have relationship issues or whatever, you have five or six people in your life that can say, like, this is what I did when that happened to me. But when you're diagnosed with diabetes, you don't necessarily have somebody in your immediate circle that can give you, you know, day-to-day anecdotal support, just emotional support. So it's really uh, important to connect with others that can say, you know, me too. This is what I did and this is how I got through it. I love that. I think that's great. So, you know, uh, Diabetes Hands Foundation is all about a worldwide audience. But, Mike, Divabatic, we're all about games, right? Mm-hmm. And, Uh-oh. frankly, if you don't know by now, I'd love to be Mr. Divabatic out and around town. So I rely on my educators to give advice, and people like Mike, La- Mike to Lawson to share their stories about living with diabetes. Actually, in a lot of ways, Sarah Paralysis' next song is kind of my theme song because I think I'm really not the king of anything. Okay. Well, we're going to play you that song. Break it to you, babe But I'm not drowning There's no one here to save Who cares if you disagree You are not me Who made you king of anything Do you dare tell me who to be Who died and made you king of I love a good reality check, Mike, and I think part of uh, living a full and wonderful life is being able to laugh at yourself. So when we play games, we play them to empower each other as well as have a good laugh with ourselves, not adding to each other, but together. So my first game, Dr. Bev mentioned this earlier, I'm taking on the challenge this year of doing a diabetes time machine in my big event in November. I'm going to be chronicling the entire history of diabetes with my fabulous team of educators and spotlighting a lot of fabulous divas and dudes like yourself throughout the year. Okay. So I want to test, for my first show of Diabetes Late Night, I'm going to test your diabetes history knowledge. I'm going to give you three oh, milestones. <laughs> I'm giving you three milestones from the 1960s. I know you were born in 1940, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, you were Close. born like in the 80s, right? You, yeah. need to, you need to give them back to me in um, correct chronological order, starting with what you think happened first. And you will be allowed to phone a friend, which would be one of the educators. You could take your pick okay. if you're struggling. Okay, here they are. Ready? 
Mary yeah. Tyler Moore wins her first Emmy for the Dick Van Dyke Show. Second, the first blood glucose test strip is developed, and the third milestone is President John F. Kennedy is assassinated in Dallas. Which one happened first? Put them in order. This is going to make me look so silly. I'm going to say, I think this might be a trick. I think Mary Tyler Moore won her Emmy, then the blood glucose trick was invented, and then Kennedy was assassinated. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. I'm going to go. Ah. Wrong. <laughs> I think you got one answer? right. Do you want to you want to phone a friend? Which one do you want? Do you want Doctor Bev, Patricia Addy Gentle, or Pam from the Diva Better Club in Philadelphia? Let's do Pam in Philadelphia. All right, Pam. Pam, yeah. what do you think? What are you going to go with? Your choices are Mary Tyler uh-huh. Moore wins her first Emmy. The second choice is the first blood glucose test strip is developed, and the third is President John F. Kennedy is assassinated in Dallas. Put them in order. Um, I say the test strip was first. Uh, the assassination, and then Mary Tyler Moore. Final answer. Yeah, final answer. Mike, are you feeling confident with that? <laughs> I think it's. You know, I, I don't know that the strip was that early. <laughs> okay, listen, oh everybody. Goodness. Here's the answer, so we can move on to okay. our next game. In 1963. President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. In 1965, an Ames research team under Ernie Adams developed the first blood glucose test strip. And in 1966, Mary Tyler Moore wins her first Emmy. There you go. Wow. Great, that is. Now, in referencing this, Mike, since this happened beforehand, in 1965, the, bu- the first blood glucose test strip was invented. How has that little thing changed your life? You know, it's changed my life incredibly. When you inject insulin, um, it's a lot like driving on a freeway because it does incredible things to your body. So if you don't know exactly where you're at when you're making adjustments to insulin in your body, you, you can do some pretty big harm. So I've, I've compared it sometimes to driving on the freeway with a bag over your head. If you're not testing first, you're just recklessly putting insulin into your body. So this certainly helped me with my diabetes management. And it's you've come a long way since the 60s. Um, and I really think that we have a lot of way to go when it comes to strip accuracy. Uh, but that's a separate story for maybe a separate show. I love it. you got to be on the show more often. That was awesome. All right. It's time to play another game. But before we do, we're going to play another wonderful song from our diva inspiration tonight, Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter Sarah Bareilles. This track is from Sarah's album Kaleidoscope Heart, which was released in 2010, and it debuted at number one on Billboard's 200 chart. It's not the person causing us to call it a day. You know, Mike, when I play games and people get it wrong, 
in inside, I'm always saying I'm sorry, but outside, that's what you're hearing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's my next game, and I love playing this game. It's a popular diabetes numerology. Mike, here's how diabetes numerology works. I'm going to read aloud a random blood sugar value along with a related situation. Then I'll ask you to tell us how you would deal with this situation. Finally, the angels of outreach will discuss your solution and share some tips. Remember, if you're playing along with us tonight, which I hope you are, please keep in mind that one solution doesn't work for everyone. Check with your doctor to find out what your specific game plan should be and visit divabetic.org for free diabetes numerology game loads. All right, Mike. Theme of the show was bravery, right? So Mm -hmm. your diabetes numerology game is loosely based on the Academy Award-nominated historical war drama Braveheart, starring Mel Gibson. Your diabetes numerology situation, you're on horseback in a kilt, leading warriors in a revolt against a cruel English tyrant who rules Scotland with an iron fist. Your diabetes numerology blood sugar tonight is 243. What would you do? Well, I would stay away from uh, some fat-packing carbs. I wouldn't, you know, take a ton of bread. But I think, for me, I would probably also dose a little bit of insulin to bring that down because it's a little higher than I'd like for it to be. All right. Patricia Addy General, how do you do? Well... He did well. Um, he could also drink water to bring that blood sugar down, and of course, a little bit of maybe some jumping jacks, <laughs> whatever. Well, he is on to, horseback, uh, so he's going to be working. So physical activity uh, could help lower a blood sugar, correct? I'm sorry. You're saying physical activity could help lower a blood physical sugar? Physical activity, yes. <laughs> All right, and where, just before you get off, Patricia, where does he wear his pump if he's in a kilt and he's not wearing pants? Well, Wait, before you answer people, that, Mike, are you going commando in the kilt? Well, you have to in a commando, I thought. Okay, I mean, in so, a kilt. That's just so the now rule. where does he wear it, Patricia? <laughs> a lot of people will conceal that, um, conceal the uh, pump by using a Velcro strap. Um, he can use that around the leg or, you know, around the thigh or any type of a little pocket device or maybe put on some swim trunks underneath the kilt <laughs> so that he's able to hold that pump. All right. Uh-huh. And, and Dr. Bev, what do you want to say? <laughs> well, if we were staying true to form in the uh, the 13th century, I'm not sure uh, – that uh, his odds would be very good with a blood sugar of 243, <laughs> okay, because insulin was only de- de- developed in, uh, in, discovered in 1921. And uh, way back when, in the Middle Ages, uh, the medieval doctors uh, examined uh, patients' urine, uh, but I don't think they did much with that information, and they, um, they actually used uh, bloodletting, uh, to cure illnesses, which I don't think would have helped uh, the diabetes uh, situation in that day, of that day. I, I mean, it's important to put these things into historical uh, perspective as well, because people have so much ammunition, ammunition at their hands today. Like, Mike, you were mentioning, you know, 
the glucose strips earlier and how much of that's helped you manage your care. I mean, you wouldn't even, technically you wouldn't even known that you had a 243 back in the day. And, right. you know, the pump we're talking about laughing, where would you put it with a kilt? Like you just said, Dr. Bev, there would be no insulin for that pump, nor would there be a pump. So when people really question some of these new tech, new techie things coming out and the new devices and the new inventions. The truth is there's a lot of much more available today than there was even a hundred years ago. I mean, when we're talking about the invention, you know, the discovery of insulin. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're, we're very lucky to be living in this medical technology that uh, even though it's not perfect, you know, like test strips, accuracy, and things like that, um, it, it's almost better than nothing. And, and uh, I think one of the best inventions ever, other than uh, the discovery of insulin, uh, was the blood glucose meter. I, that's my best friend. Uh, I, I use that, uh, you know, uh, eight to ten times a day. Yeah. So um, I, I, uh, I, I'm, I feel very fortunate to be living in this, modern technology uh, era. And Mike, have you ever seen your uh, adrenaline like raise your blood, spike your blood sugar um, from things you're doing? I don't know if you play sports or anything, but obviously in this situation you were going into battle, you would have been a little bit crazy. Have, have you ever sure. experienced like an adrenaline rush? And what, how yeah. has that affected I, your blood sugar? I get really nervous when I speak in front of groups of people. I like doing it, but I get nervous. My heart starts pounding, and my blood sugar usually spikes a little bit. Um, that's something that I notice whenever I do public speaking. Um, and then also I find stress. If I'm stressed for multiple days, my averages tend to go up, and I find myself administering more insulin for the carbs that I'm eating. But that's, that's again, my body, and everybody is different, but... Um, there are just a lot of contributing factors for high blood glucose in my case. All right. Well, guess what, Mike? Thanks for sharing and for playing our diabetes numerology game tonight and helping us raise awareness in a fun new way. You're getting yeah. Sarah Borales' new album, plus you're getting a new Naturals gift basket filled with diabetic-safe, low-glycemic, tooth-friendly sweeteners, a Cabot cheese Ooh. gift basket, and samples of Dr. Greenfeld's Diabetic products. For over 30 years, Dr. Stanley Greenfield Field has developed specially diabetic skincare products for hands, body, face, and feet to moisturize and soften skin while reducing painful cracking and dryness. What do you think, Mike? I think that's awesome. <laughs> All right, coming up, everybody. It's one of my favorite divas. But before we play that, I, you know, Sarah Borales was in an a cappella group. And so I thought it'd be fun to play one of her acapella tracks from one of her albums. So before we introduce my final diva of the night, let's hear Hi, Mama Rosemarie. Hi, Max. How are you this evening? You're back. I'm great. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. It's good to be back. I'm what proud does bravery to mean to you? Oh, my heavens. There's so much to be brave about and courageous about. Um, I, um, 
I was not here last month because I took a fall and hurt myself. So I've been using a lot of courage to get back to being normal and uh, and um, taking care of myself. It's been taking a little courage to um, be able to put down the cane and walk on my own. So I'm getting there. And you injured. I'm, we should tell everyone you injured your. You took a fall at Thanksgiving. You injured your hip. You had to have surgery. You spent a couple of weeks in rehab, and now you're back down in South Carolina, getting back to life, doing your social events from playing cards to going out to eat with your good girlfriends and whatnot. And you even had time to celebrate Christmas. Oh, I <laughs> so you're sure on did. the road to recovery. Yes, I am, and it took a and it, as we said, it took a lot of bravery for me to be able to um, have the confidence to um, to stand up without thinking that I was going to fall again. But anyhow, I want to give you my tip for this month of January, and it does focus on bone health. While you can never regain the bone density you had in your youth, you can help prevent rapidly thinning bones. Regular exercise, no smoking, no excess drinking, enjoying a diet rich in calcium, and also having a bone density test are some of the ways that you can take on, take on the road to better bone health. Now, I have a little suggestion myself. Many years ago, um, a female doctor advised a group of women in an organization that I belong to to take two tums each morning. They contain calcium. You get your calcium that way in your diet. So it not only is good for your bones, but it's also good for your tummy. So that's my just little advice for this month. So until next month, I will bid you ciao for now. All right. Thanks, Mama Rose. You're welcome. All right. I want to invite listeners, before we do the roll call and let all the guests back on, please visit our Diva Beck Facebook fan and group pages and check out all my videos on Mr. Diva Beck's YouTube channel. And believe it or not, We've got over 100 free podcasts that you can enjoy on demand, either at iTunes or divabetic.org. I've interviewed so many people over the last four years, and every time I get to do a podcast, I enjoy it so much. It's fun to see all the great music we're able to enjoy, not only from Sarah Borales, but if you remember last month, we highlighted uh, the Pointer Sisters as well as, well as Gloria Estefan earlier. So I want to thank Sony Music again for giving us the opportunity to play their music. Now, January is coming to a close, but February, get ready for our annual fashion review on Diabetes Late Night, February 11th. In celebration, we're going to close the show with another song from Sarah Bareilles' Blessed Unrest, Little Black Dress. But before we do, what did you think of the show, Mike? I guess he loved it. What did you think of the show, Patricia? (laughs) Oh, it was wonderful as usual, Max. All of the guests were really uh, did a really good job. And what did you think of the show, Dr. Bob? Well, first I want to let you know that you are my king. You're not the king of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and if uh, I could just, if, if I have just a second, I would uh, just want to give you some uh, advice about being brave uh, that came from uh, Dr. William Polanski in his book, Diabetes Burnout. And he talks about people who are depressed and that they avoid psychotherapy and that they feel it's just for people who are weak and they believe that they can take care of their own problems. But in, uh, in, on the contrary, psychotherapy 
the ones who go are the brave ones. They have been willing to risk confrontation with their personal fears and vulnerabilities, and um, th- and they can overcome their depression with the help of a mental health professional. I love that. All right. And a little fashion goes a long way. So here's Sarah Bareilles to end the show. Thanks for being a part of the show, everybody. Tune in next month.